This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Popular or, or contrary to popular belief, I am still alive, <laughs> maybe to the dismay of many. But uh, we are here. We missed yesterday's show. I do apologize for that. A uh, lot going on, so I uh, had to take the morning off. But we are here and ready to rock and roll once again. Um, so, so part of the reason that I wasn't here uh, yesterday is, uh, well, uh, twofold. I had, uh, a major computer meltdown over the weekend where my computer was doing, uh, you know, how they do the automatic updates. And so it was, it, it was doing that. And then I don't know whether the uh, update file was corrupted or what it was, but my computer, basically the system crashed. The computer itself was fine. It was my Windows system that crashed, got into this never-ending loop. I had to, uh, I won't go through the whole thing, but I had to create like a boot disk from a, a, a USB uh, stick drive. I mean, it was crazy. I find, But I had to reinstall Windows completely. Uh, I was afraid I was going to lose everything. Fortunately for the cloud, I had a lot of stuff backed up. and But I had to recover from that. And then on Sunday, my wife was driving to work and uh, calls me. She had left, and she calls me about, I don't know, 15 minutes later and says, I got a problem. Uh, I'm, my tire is going flat. So, you know, I told her to pull off, you know, where she could. And there was an exit right there, fortunately. So she pulled off into a parking lot and. Uh, we have AAA, but I was like, you know, it's going to take, it could take two hours for AAA to get there to, ch- you know, to change the tires. So I said, all right, I'll come down. I swap cars with her, uh, give her my car so she can go to work. And I get out, you know, now this is how old I've gotten. And I don't know whether this is something common now or not. So I'm all ready to change a tire, you know. So I'm like, you know, it's, oh, man, I get to be a man and change a tire. <laughs> so I get there, I open up, I pop open the trunk and I, you know, pull open the thing where the spare tire is supposed to be. Yeah, there's no spare tire. Now, it wasn't that the spare tire was forgotten or anything like that. It was they don't have spare tires in Kias, I guess, in uh, the 2020 and 21 models. They have what's called a mobility kit. So instead of a spare tire, there's this little case with a zipper on it. And I open it up, and it's essentially an air compressor and a jar or a container of a, I guess for lack of a better word is like fix a flat remember the old stuff you used to pay with a buy in a store you know screw it into your tire and uh, you know it would uh, uh, f- you know put some uh, s- shoot some stuff into the tire and seal a puncture and you know blow it partially up so you could get moving again well, that's essentially what this is. You know, you got to, but you know, it's a whole convoluted thing. My God, I had to plug it into the cigarette lighter. And so anyway, I, but within five minutes, we were good to go. So I, you know, she was already off. So what, within five minutes without ever having to drop one bead of sweat, 
Uh, I put this stuff in there. It pumped the tire up. Uh, the compressor, after the stuff goes in, the compressor works. Got it up to 30 pounds of pressure. Off I go. No spare tire. <laughs> now, now it only will work with a puncture. If there had been a slice in her tire, it would not have worked because it can't seal a slice. But because she had run over a screw or something or a nail, um, it worked. So we get home. And so yesterday morning, she's got to, you know, we got to get the car squared away. You know, it, that's a, supposed to be a temporary fix. So we take it. I got to, you know, so first thing in the morning, we got to take it over to town for a tire, make sure the tires okay. come to find out. Yeah, she ran over a nail and 10 bucks, $10 and 58 cents instead of, uh, you know, putting a donut on a car and uh, ending up spending, you know, whatever to get it done. You know, maybe it would have only been that if, uh, you know, even if we hadn't had the fix a flat stuff, but who knows? So anyway, uh, so that's where I was yesterday. And so instead of the, you know, a new tire for $130 and whatnot, it's uh, 10 bucks and we got to buy Now we got to buy a new canister for this mobility kit uh, that costs like, I don't know, 30 or 40 bucks. But regardless, uh, just <laughs> welcome to 2021. And I feel older every day when I'm looking for a spare tire and it's, it's not there. So, uh, anyway. So that's why we weren't here yesterday, but we're back and ready to roll. And how about that? I had to start my show with this. This is something you don't hear every day. Uh, Shelby Houlihan, who is the American record holder in uh, the 1,500 and 5,000 meters. Uh, the Olympic trials were supposed to start, um, I think, the this weekend in Eugene, Oregon. Well... Ms. Houlihan will not be able to participate in the Olympic trials because she has been given a four-year ban because a test, a drug testing sample, came back for the anabolic steroid nandrolone. Now, at first glance, you say, well, you know, yet another athlete trying to get an advantage by doping, right? So now, but here is the twist. Supposedly, this particular steroid you can get from eating pork because I guess uh, pigs can produce naturally, can produce it naturally in high amounts. And if you eat pig organ meat, which, by the way, I'm never eating. But if you do, it has the highest levels of the stuff. Well, she claims that 10 hours before she uh, took this test on December the 15th that she had had a burrito. <laughs> I'm not making this up. She had had a pig meat or a pig offal, which is the organ meat, burrito from a food truck right near her house in Beaverton, Oregon. So this is the defense she's using to say that she did not dope. Now, my first reaction was, look, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. However, and again, look, this is, you're, you're only hearing her side of the story in this, this was in the Associated Press. We're only hearing her side of the story, but when you listen to it, you go, well, wait a minute. So she she notified the Athletics Integrity Unit, 
which of the uh, of the U.S. Track and Field Association to let them know what you know what the explanation was, and uh, <laughs> which again you go. I'm sure they did. They probably had the same reaction I did, which was like, right. So, because she had to make a whole list of food she had eaten leading up to the test, and that could have produced you know this finding. And there were studies done, I guess, of this pork meat. This is how they knew it could happen. And in the studies, the levels that were found in the sample were consistent with the amounts in the subjects that were in this study. And so, and the, and the World Anti-Doping Association technical guidelines require the lab that did it to, to consider that when analyzing the sample. She claims the lab never accounted for the possibilities. She said that uh, uh, she said they could have reported it as an atypical finding and followed up with further testing. Um, and the anti-doping experts that she reached out out to said they should have done that. Well, they didn't. She said she's passed a polygraph. She had a hair sample analyzed by toxicologist, and even the World Anti-Doping Association agreed that the test proved there was no buildup of the substance in her system which there would have been if she had been taking it regularly. But the lab still wouldn't change their minds. They just concluded that she was a cheater uh, and that, that the steroid was ingested orally but not regularly. Uh, okay. Uh, and she appealed to the, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. They rejected her appeal, and she has subsequently been banned for four years. Um. I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, if she truly did pass a polygraph and a hair sample was analyzed and all these things she says are true, it doesn't make any sense, which is why I say we're only hearing her part of the story. But it seems if what she's saying is true, it just seems odd. So, that, you know, you wonder what aren't what isn't she saying? You know, I don't, I don't know. But this is the first time I have ever heard somebody being banned supposedly for a burrito you know believe her or not i don't you know I, and i don't know whether to believe her or not uh, but man what a bizarre story but but to me the fact that the the arbitration board rejected her appeal they had to have seen evidence from more than just her and so again i want to know what the other part of the story is hopefully it'll come out cuz i mean <laughs> And if it isn't true, if she got railroaded because of a pork burrito, it's the biggest injustice in the history of sport, and I find it hard to believe that would be the case. But that's just me. It's just me. Um, all right. The big story in Major League Baseball over the last week or so, of course, and we've talked about it here on the show, has been the foreign substances being used by pitchers to get extra grip on the baseball. Well, supposedly a memo is being issued today that will outline the discipline for anybody that is caught using any sort of substance other than like the rosin bag that you can have on the mound. Any other kind of tacky substance that anybody is using, um, it will now result in a 10-day suspension with pay. Um, so my gut reaction is, well, if you're not going to, if you're going to 
suspend them, make it really hurt, and suspend them without pay. But I guess there is precedent for this because in the past, uh, foreign substances on the baseball, it's always been with pay. So anytime anybody has been caught before, they've been paid. But if you really want to crack down on this, you got to hit them in the wallet. Now, for a, for a starting pitcher, a 10-day suspension means you're probably going to miss two starts. So I guess you can make the case that in some ways you are hitting them in the wallet because, you know, when it comes time for if they're in any kind of a contract year, you know, where they're going to be a free agent and looking for a new contract, that by having two fewer starts that maybe, you know, maybe it hurts them. But I still think that it needs to hurt even more. I'm sorry, folks. I mean, if you get caught cheating, you they got to hammer you. Look, it's not the same as steroids necessarily, but in a way it kind of is because you're getting an unfair advantage, just like by taking steroids. Your reaction time is better. You're stronger. You're faster, etc. That's, you know, being able to get extra RPMs on your spin rate by having a tacky substance on the ball is still cheating. So it's good that they're doing something. I'm not sure this goes far enough because, quite frankly, if you're a now, – now, the other part of this is – well, let me finish my thought. You know, it's, the other part of this is, I guess, that a pitcher could look at this and go, well, hey, get a couple of weeks vacation. Excellent. But – at the same time, you then get branded a cheater. So I'm not sure that's necessarily the way you want to go either because then we're going back to what happened with the Houston Astros. And even though none of those guys got suspended, none of the players got suspended, they're still going to go down for the rest of their lives and forever as labeled as cheaters. If Jose Altuve goes into the Hall of Fame one day, which he probably will, there will certainly be some mention, maybe maybe not on his plaque, but maybe that he was involved in the cheating scandal. At least I think it should be there. It's something that will follow him and uh, you know Carlos Correa and and uh, Bregman and all those guys for the rest of their careers. Just like Alex Cora is going to be branded as the bench coach on a team that got caught cheating and that he got suspended along with the manager and the general manager and you know. Players didn't get hammered, but they're still labeled as cheaters. So if you do get caught, I guess, with a foreign substance, you're still going to be considered a cheater. So I, I don't know. Maybe that in and of itself is enough to to deter guys. I, I don't know. You know, if Trevor Bauer gets caught using it and is labeled a cheater, which, by the way, would be hysterical after all the screaming he's done about this. But And, and will it affect the way people look at them, you know, if it's when it comes to the Hall of Fame? You know, maybe not because for this this whole thing with the sticky substance. Now, they say that it's been a kind of wink, wink, nod, nod thing that's been going on for years. But I guess it has reached new levels with this spider tack and all this other stuff that got people are using uh, in these homemade concoctions with rosin and and sunscreen. You know, I, who knows? But I'm not sure that 10 days with pay is a big enough deterrent. Now, we all know that the, the troubles that the Red Sox have had, and we'll get to last night's game in a minute, but uh, if you remember uh, two nights ago, they got absolutely drilled <laughs> uh, by the 
Toronto Blue Jays 18-4 to to the point where uh, Ryan Weber had to take one for the team and went like five innings and gave up 11 runs because they'd been, their bullpen was so shot they needed somebody uh, to take one for the team because they didn't want to burn out the bullpen. They were in a stretch of 17 games in 17 days, so somebody had to take a hit. Ryan Weber was it. Uh, not that Ryan Weber is a great pitcher anyway. He probably doesn't belong in the major leagues, but having said that, he's got way more athletic talent than I ever had. Um, but he's still not a major league pitcher. However, people want to use the struggles that the Red Sox have had over the last 10 days or so, two turns through the rotation where they had an ERA of damn near nine. And over the last six games prior to last night, it had been 12. Well, they want to use the sudden crackdown on foreign substances on the baseball and say, well, see the Red Sox. Must have been cheating, and now that they know MLB's coming down on it, nobody's using this stuff anymore, so that's got to be why they're getting killed. Guess what? Um, that's not the case. And this will be, by the way, this will be one of the few times, folks, that you will ever hear me applaud the fact that we have uh, these nerd, geeky, uh, stupid stats. I mean, frankly, the whole idea of spin rate on a baseball made me laugh when I heard about it. I was like, who cares? I don't care what your spin rate is. I mean, it's just it, they're nerding out baseball to the point where nobody. I mean, ah, God Almighty! Just I, I just like you know. As I said, I've been unfollowing people on on social media that constantly you know tell me launch angle and exit velocity and expected batting average and all this other crap. I don't want to hear. Who cares? But this is one time where the nerd stats actually. And, and I don't know whether it's because it, it exonerates the Red Sox per se or what, but this is one time where I'm glad we actually have stats because you can tell who's cheating or potentially who's cheating. And now here's now here's why I say that. What they did was, the, and by the way, all these pitches are tracked all season with the uh, you know Statcast does all this stuff now. All right. So they had the spin rates of all the Red Sox starting pitchers. Pavetta, Richards, Erod, Martin Perez, and Nate Evaldi for the last for, for the whole season. Okay, so from April one to June third, they have what their spin rate, their average spin rate was. All right, on their fastball, and then they have the average spin rate on their fastballs from June fourth to June thirteenth. June fourth is when MLB finally said, "Hey, we're going to crack down on this." And people started getting nervous. Well, guess what? The change in the spin rate for the Red Sox was almost non-existent. For instance, Nick Pavetta, his spin rate, his RPMs for his fastball was 2,318. Okay? Well, guess what? From June 4th to June 13th, after they made that announcement, his spin rate actually went up, but it only went up by like 6 RPM. So it went up. 0.2%. Garrett Richards went up, went uh, up, went up 1.5%. So if they were actually worried about the cheating, wouldn't it go down? Uh, Erod, his spin rate went down by two RPMs, which is statistically zero. It went from 2175 to 2173. Martin Perez went down about uh, 20. Nate Evaldi went down the most, went down 30 RPMs, which is 1.4%, which is, again, nobody declined even as much as 50. However, 
there's been a the, the other analysis found that 37 pitchers in MLB had declines of more than 100 RPMs after the decision to start policing forest substances on June 4th. 37 people had RPM declines of more than 100 RPMs. So what does that tell you? It tells you that it made no difference to the Red Sox. It tells you the Red Sox weren't cheating. Either that or they're stupid and they're still cheating. I guess you can look at it either way. But at the end of the day, it shows that that had absolutely nothing to do with what's going on with the Red Sox. So the people that were trying to to, to uh, spin that narrative, uh, forget it, because the stats don't back it up. You know, and look, here's the deal. As one, one uh, executive said, the Red Sox are throwing the same pitches now and they're moving the same way they did all season. The only difference now is they're throwing them in spots where they can get hit. And uh, my buddy Matt Corey, who's been on this show several times, uh, in his blog last week, showed, like the other day, a, a whole bunch of home runs the Red Sox had got up and how the Red Sox pitchers are missing their spots. It has nothing to do with RPMs. It has to do with where you throw the baseball, hitting your spot, right? So they showed consistently where the catcher is set up like low and away, for instance, and the pitch is coming inside and up, and the guy crushes it. Or the catcher's up and in, and the ball's like low and away in the strike zone, and the guy's crushing it. They were missing their pitches. It's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with spin rate. It has nothing to do with cheating. It is what it is. It's just, it's, it's, uh, look, the guys were probably pitching over their head. Martin Perez was pitching way over his head. And God love him. He has given the Red Sox way more than they could have hoped for, but he was not as good as his numbers would have indicated. And, you know, we've said all along, Nick, uh, Nick Pavetta and Garrett Richards were constantly in trouble. Constantly. But they managed to get out of it time after time after time. Well, their luck ran out this last couple of times around the rotation. It's going to happen. The law of averages, you are who you are. And so the law of averages are going to catch up with you at some point. So... Uh, anyway, so let's put that to rest right now. It has nothing to do with, uh, with sticky stuff on a baseball. So Red Sox get beat 18 to four on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. Everybody's like, Oh my God, the world is going to end. What happens yesterday? Nate Evaldi comes out, pitches six and two thirds innings, gives up nothing. He left the game after six and two thirds giving up just three hits. He struck out four. He walked one. Josh Taylor came out, pitched a uh, the, got the last out of the seventh, pitched a one, two, three, eighth. Red Sox go into the bottom of the ninth or to the top of the ninth inning, leading one nothing after getting beat 18 to four the night before. Again, you know, it's a matter of location. And the and Nate Valdi was hitting all his spots yesterday and kept Toronto off balance. So Matt Barnes comes out of the out of the dugout or you know out of the bullpen looking to pick up his uh his I think 15th save of the season. And he strikes out the first two guys that he faces. Marcus Semyon, Bobachet at the top of the Toronto lineup. Looks like it's going to be a, another save for Barnes. Then Vladimir Guerrero Jr came up 
and he hit an 0-1 fastball. I mean, excuse me, an 0-1 breaking ball that Barnes threw to the moon. Crushed it 451 feet. It was a missile. If somebody had gotten in front of it, it would have killed him. It was. It was his 22nd home run of the season. So now Red Sox fans that are ready to celebrate a one nothing win, and now it's tied 1-1 going into the bottom of the ninth. And, of course, as Red Sox fans always do, it's like, oh, my God, here we go again. And, you know, by the way, good for Barnes after he gives up the home run. Look, it's going to happen. Uh, he strikes out Teoscar Hernandez, so he ends up striking out the side. Um. And, you know, look, Barnes is, to me, the last couple of times that he's gotten hit hard, he has been relying more on his curveball. He had been pitching off of his fastball. He started to fall in love with that curveball again, and it's gotten whacked around uh, quite a bit. I'm a little bit concerned about that. But having said that, so now we go into the uh, bottom of the ninth. The Red Sox are tied 1-1, Rafael Dolis. Um, and then uh, what happens? Kike Hernandez leads off. And he gets on um, when a ball is booted in the infield. Then Alex Verdugo comes up. Actually, no, excuse me. It was Verdugo uh, that got on when the ball was booted. They get J.D. JD Martinez and Xander Bogarts. And uh, then Rafi Devers comes up, hits one off the wall. Verdugo scores, game over. Red Sox win 2-1. They split the series with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, as badly as things had been going for Boston, and honest to God, if you read the Boston media and you read Red Sox social media, you would have thought that they were 100 games out of first place after uh, getting beat 18-4. to And Alex Cora talked about this yesterday. He said, you know, after we got beat, he said, I got back to my office, and that was a text message from an old friend of mine that offered some perspective. And a text read, 18-4, to 1 to nothing." It's the same thing, right? And that's true. It doesn't matter what the score is. A loss is a loss. A win is a win. doesn't matter. you know. And so now the Red Sox come back yesterday despite getting beat 18-4, to and you get a good pitching performance, and wow, look what happens. You win. And now the Red Sox are three games, still three games behind Tampa. It's the farthest the Red Sox have been out of first place since April 4th, by the way. But still, you're three games back and you're 13 games over 500. you have won six of ten. That's not the narrative that social media would have had you believe or that the Boston Globe would have had you believe. But here we are. And Toronto with the loss drops eight and a half back in third place. The Yankees are in fourth, nine back. They had the night off last night. So uh, all things considered, I would much rather be where Boston is than Toronto or New York. So, you know, again, it's a matter of perspective. You know, 18 to four doesn't matter. Because you could have lost one nothing, and it still would have counted the same on the scoreboard. But uh, a gutsy performance by Nate Evaldi yesterday, and it's one the Red Sox needed. Um, and uh, I have to admit that I continue to be amazed by Josh Taylor. Uh, he has uh, it just continues to come out and throw scoreless innings. Uh, Sixteen or no, excuse me, eighteen straight scoreless appearances now. For Josh Taylor, he's loaded his ERA all the way down to 3.63. Uh, you could have knocked me over with a feather because I didn't think this guy had it in him. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, they were putting him into some high leverage situations early on that I was screaming about. 
Well, that's why I'm sitting here talking about it and not running a team, right? Because uh, I would have I would have shot that guy to the moon a long time ago, and uh, look what he he has been doing for the Red Sox. But a good performance by him. Barnes ends up getting the win after blowing the save. And again, look, there's no shame in ha- giving up a home run to Vlad Jr. He's got 22 of them. He leads the majors, and Vlad Jr. is on another planet it, right now. If the season ended today, he's the MVP of the American League, hands down. He's hitting 346 with 22 bombs. 22 bombs and, uh, what, 56 runs batted in in 67 games. At that pace, the guy's going to hit, you know, 50-plus homers and have 130 or 140 runs batted in if he continues his pace. Now, I don't know that he can, but obviously losing that weight in the offseason and rededicating himself and, you know, trying to look more uh, like an athlete than a, a tub of lard at first base has, has helped him immensely. So there's no shame in what Barnes gave up, but uh, uh, gutsy win by the Sox last night. It's one they needed, uh, especially with a, a – look, they've got two more games to play before they get a day off, which the pitching staff desperately needs. They've got to play an Atlanta Braves team um, for the next two games, a team that is reeling. Now the Braves are sending out a uh, – uh, a rookie against the Red Sox tonight against Erod. And then Garrett Richards will pitch the second game against, I believe, Ian Anderson, their young phenom. So, uh, you know, the Red Sox need to go down to Atlanta and they need to get a split. You know, and if they can do that after fi- and finishing up 17 games in 17 days and, you know, having a winning record over that stretch, that would be absolutely huge. It's 35 minutes past the hour. I'm a little long-winded here in this first segment. We're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 37 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. By the way, before uh, I move on to talk some more about uh, baseball from last night, I just want to take a quick second to congratulate Coggenshog uh, High School. Coggenshog, uh, a local school here in Connecticut, down in Durham, just down the road. Um their baseball and softball teams both won state championships this past week. Um, unbelievable. Uh, St. Uh, St. Paul was favored actually to beat Coggenshog. Coggenshog uh, baseball team beat them. Uh, and then the, uh, uh, the Coggenshog girls uh, whack summers around and uh, they win uh, the softball title. So uh, for a little tiny school in the Shoreline Conference just down the road here, uh, look, winning one state championship is a, uh, an accomplishment. Winning two in the same season is great. And, you know, it's probably even sweeter for these kids. You know, don't forget, uh, these guys didn't have a baseball or softball season last year because of the pandemic. You know, uh, so I, I got to think that that championship feels even sweeter, but uh, what an accomplishment. So congratulations to uh, Coggenshog High School. And uh, today, by the way, is Wade Boggs' birthday. Uh, Wade Boggs is 63 years old today. Um, of course, a uh, Hall of Famer, uh, had his number retired by the Red Sox. A guy was a 12-time All-Star, um, won the Silver Slugger eight times, Gold Glover at third base. Uh, strange dude but a great baseball player. So uh, happy birthday uh, to Wade Boggs. Uh, All right, let's get back to last night. Uh, Now, I mentioned the Red Sox are three behind the Rays, and that's because Tampa won again last night. Uh, Tampa took care of the Chicago White Sox, the team with the second-best record in the American League. 
Uh, Tampa won this one 5-2, snapped a four-game winning streak uh, by the Chicago White Sox. Tampa's now won six of seven, eight of the last ten, uh, four in a row. I mean, every time you think that this team just can't continue to do it, uh, you know, they're amazing. And the thing that's most amazing about this Tampa team is they are 24-10 and 10 on the road. They have the best road record of any team in Major League Baseball. 24 and 10. Uh, now, great win for them last night, no question about it. Uh, home runs by Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau and Randy Arozarena, but it could have been costly. We shall see. Tyler Glass now, their ace and the guy that a lot of people think uh, could be the Cy Young Award winner in the American League, although Lance Lynn, who he faced last night of the White Sox, might have something to say about that. But uh, Glass now. Leaves after the fourth inning last night. Gave up two runs, three hits. He struck out six. He walked one. Um, and he said he knew something wasn't right uh, when he tossed his final pitches in the fourth inning. He said it wasn't really painful, but he felt um, a little bit of a tug. And he said, I, you know, I didn't want to chance it. Uh, so he has some swelling in that elbow. He is going to get an MRI today. And if you are the Tampa Bay Rays, you are holding your breath because, uh, you know, look, they've got – they seem to do miraculous things with pitching in Tampa. And I guess, you know, even if he goes down, they'll probably find a way, uh, you know, to get it done. But you need Tyler Glass now on that staff. And he outdoed Lance Lynn last night who gave up uh, three runs and six hits and six innings, struck out eight. Uh, his ERA actually went up to 1.51. Uh, it was only the second loss of the season for Lynn. He hadn't lost a game since the middle of April. Um, so, uh, But a great job by the Tampa bullpen last night. Five innings out of the bullpen. They gave up just two hits and a walk over five innings. So, uh, again, you know this, this Rays bullpen is ridiculous. They actually have the best bullpen ERA in baseball. Uh, just a touch over three. So... Um, uh, Shane McClanahan, the young kid, will get the start for Chicago tonight. Dallas Keuchel on the hill for the White Sox as uh, they try to rebound from that loss. But the Rays just uh, keep on trucking. Now for Chicago, uh, Cleveland won last night, but Chicago, even with that loss, still with a four-and-a-half game lead uh, in the AL Central in what has become a two-team race. You know, Cleveland's four-and-a-half back. Everybody else in that division is double digits back. The Minnesota Twins, the team everybody, you know, thought was going to compete, uh, still can't get their act together. They are 15 games out. 15. Yikes. Uh, the Mets last night with a win at home. They beat the Chicago Cubs 5-2. Uh, to two. A, uh, a good performance last night by David Peterson, and my God, did he need it. Uh, his last four starts, he was 0-2 with an ERA of 9.88, but he goes out last night and throws one hit baseball over six innings. Struck out three, walked two. Uh, picked up his second win of the season. Jake Arrieta did not have a great performance for uh, the Cubs last night, so he picks up the loss. He falls to 5-7. and seven. Dominic Smith, uh, with his fifth home run of the season last night, he went 2-3. for three. Uh, He snapped an 0-for-20 streak last night, uh, so uh, a night that he definitely uh, uh, needed as well. So the Mets will uh, send Taiwan Walker uh, to the hill tonight. His last time out, he struck out 9 excuse me, against the Orioles, his last appearance. Uh, and Alex Mills 
is going to make his first start uh, since April 13th and just his second appearance since coming off the injured list uh, a week ago. So uh, the Cubs now with that loss in a flat-footed tie with the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. The Mets now with a four-game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies in the NL East, and that's because the Phillies lost to the Dodgers last night uh, by a final of 3-1. to one. Tony Gonsolin got the start for the Dodgers last night and only gave up one run over three and two-thirds, but he walked three, gave up four hits, and, uh, you know, he is uh, – he is not right. Look, he missed the first two months of the season with a bad shoulder. Um, came back last week and struggled against Pittsburgh. Uh, you could see he wasn't right last night, but you know he got him into the fourth. And then six relievers for the Dodgers. Six relievers pitched, uh, what, five and a third innings and gave up four hits. And that's it. Uh, David Price is credited with the victory. And uh, Kenley Jansen picks up his 16th save of the season. Uh, Will Smith, his seventh home run of the season for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Albert Pujols, by the way, another hit for the Dodgers. Since coming over from the Angels, you know, the Angels just kind of unceremoniously dumped him. He's hitting almost 270 since he's come to the Dodgers. I mean, how great is that? You know, I mean, look, Albert said he had, he still had gas left in the tank and, uh, you know, he still wanted to play and he still felt that he could contribute. And, uh, he has certainly proven that since coming over to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And again, a nicer guy you will never meet seriously. Uh, you know, so it's one of those things where you, you just, you're so happy for him over his last 15 games, he's hitting 282 with the Dodgers. 282. Over his last seven games, he's hitting 389. But in the last 15 games, four homers, eight runs batted in as a member of the Dodgers. So uh, good for him. Uh, it's a guy that, you, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame, and uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame as a human as well. So he's one of those guys that I definitely root for. Uh, by the way, Cody Bellinger did not play again for the Dodgers last night. Uh, that left hamstring still not right, so they've held him out for the third straight games. He's only been in 16 games for this team this year. Uh, so Julio Urias will take the mound tonight for the Dodgers. Uh, he leads the National League and wins. He's 9-2. and two. Zach Eflin will get the start for the Dodgers tonight. Uh, excuse me, for the Phillies tonight. And the Dodgers uh, pick up some ground on the Padres who continue to flounder. Uh, the Dodgers are now three games ahead of the Padres. They still trail San Francisco, but the Padres fall to the Colorado Rockies last night, 3-2. to two. And this guy, i tell you what, what a story. Austin Gomber got the start for Colorado last night through eight shutout innings. Struck out four, didn't walk anybody, only gave up three hits. Now what's remarkable about that is that it was in Colorado, the place where you're not supposed to be able to pitch well, right? Colorado is supposed to be a nightmare. Well, you know what? Uh, in his last five starts in Colorado, okay, he hasn't allowed an earned run in 23 and a third innings, and he has an 0.95 ERA in five starts in Colorado this year. So <laughs> I don't think Austin Gomber is too worried about the altitude in Colorado. So good for him. He picks up his sixth win of the season. Uh, Denilson Lamette still, you know, they're still babying him a little bit as he comes back. 
they allowed him to throw 75 pitches last night, went the first four, only gave up one run and four hits, uh, but took the loss because the uh, uh, the Padre offense just anemic. Only allowed five, uh, only got five hits last night, and uh, the two runs came actually in the ninth inning when uh, they hit a uh, – uh, Grisham hit a two-run shot off of Daniel Bard, who still got credited with his ninth save despite the fact he gave up the home run. Uh, but this Padre team uh, really in a tailspin right now. They have lost seven of the last ten, and they sit four games behind – the uh, first-place San Francisco Giants. The Giants last night uh, beat the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, look, it's not necessarily a shock beating the Diamondbacks, but the Giants win 5-2. Arizona has now lost 20 straight games on the road. 20! The Major League Baseball record is 22, and that was set by the New York Mets back in 1965. Uh, so their exercise in futility on the road continues. Alex Wood picked up the win last night. He had been struggling lately, but he picks up the win uh, to go to 6-3. and three. Jake McGee earns his 13th save uh, of the season. But, man, been a long, long year in Arizona. It is 48 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. Uh, we've got some NFL news we'll talk about. Uh, the New England Patriots when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It's 50 minutes past the hour. So during the break, I was checking my email, uh, and I got an email uh, yelling at me for it was it was in all caps, by the way, uh, yelling at me because I did not give uh, equal billing on the birthday announcements uh, to a New York Yankee. Uh, it is also <laughs> uh, so. In addition to it being Wade Boggs's birthday, it is also. Andy Pettit's birthday. He turns 49 years old today. Uh, former New York Yankee. Uh, former New York Yankee cheater, by the way. Just thought I'd bring that up. Um, for, <laughs> former New York Yankee is 49 years old today. And you know who else's birthday it is today? Uh, you know, I talked about classy guys in Major League Baseball uh, like Albert Pujols. It's Dusty Baker's 72nd birthday today. So, uh, the manager of the Houston Astros. So, uh, happy birthday to Dusty. And... To Andy Pettit. Um, New England Patriot news. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, their uh, star defensive back, is not attending the Patriots minicap. Um, why? Well, partially because he is uh, still rehabbing an injury. He had a torn quad, but it really has nothing to do with that because, frankly, he should, you know, he's supposed to still be there injured or not. At least you make an appearance. Uh, even if you can't go 100%. Uh, this isn't about the injury. This is about he's holding out for a new contract. Um, he is scheduled to make $7 million this season. Not not a bad piece of change. However, because he is considered one of the best um, cornerbacks in the NFL, it's really the money that he's making, and I again, I cringe when I say this stuff. He's grossly underpaid. If you consider him an elite, when you look at guys like Jalen Ramsey, uh, Tredavious White, uh, these are guys that are considered elite corners as well. Those guys are making a, about seventeen million bucks a year. So the fact that Gilmore's only making seven, you can see where that puts him. Now look, the Patriots have a history 
of not paying guys, of trying to get them to take discounts, of, you know, wringing every last dollar they can. Look, they underpaid Tom Brady for years. Tom Brady agreed to take less money for years to help the team. You know, and then finally Tom Brady said, okay, enough, and went to play in Tampa. And and, to, and if you tell me that the money wasn't part of it with Brady, you're wrong. You know, now some of it is, you know, you've been with a team for 20 years, you want something new, but the money was also part of it with Brady. He was paid far less than the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL for years. And now here we go, Stephon Gilmore, the same thing. So it's a it, look. If he skips the entire minicamp, and this is a mandatory one, this isn't one of those voluntary things. If he misses all three days of the minicamp, he is subject to ninety three thousand dollars in fines. Um, now, whether he'll show up later, we don't know, but it does not seem like that is the case. It looks like he is going to hold out. Um, and look, it's one of the problems in the NFL. Because, you know, even though your contract might be $7 million, depending on how it's structured, it might not even be guaranteed. Only part of it could be guaranteed. That's one of the things in the NFL, unlike baseball, you know, you could sign a contract for $20 million. You get hurt. Unless your contract says that it's guaranteed money, they don't have to pay you. And believe me, folks, uh, there <laughs> a lot of guys don't have guaranteed contracts. So I don't know what his contract uh, reads, whether it's guaranteed or not. But regardless, if he's getting $7 million, uh, and guys like uh, you know Jalen Ramsey are getting seventeen million when they're supposedly comparable kind of quarterback cornerbacks. You can understand why he'd be upset. So uh, we'll see who blinks first on this one. Uh, NHL from last night: the Montreal Canadiens finally got to leave Canada for the first time in fifteen months. Uh, they go down to Vegas uh, to play Game One of their Western Division Final series and got whacked uh, by the Vegas Golden Knights last night, uh, four to one. Uh, look, Montreal wasn't even, they, you know, they got into the playoffs. Nobody thought they had a chance. Uh, you know, they were getting buried by Toronto. They came back um, from a 3-1 deficit to win that series um, and uh, then rolled Winnipeg in the next round. So uh, they're on a roll. And they had, I think they had a seven-game winning streak going into the game uh, last night, and they just got uh, humiliated. So, um, you know, we'll see if they can, can rally. But a tough one. Uh, for the Canadians last night. And as we leave it this morning, I just want to take a quick note to mention the passing um, of a Major League Baseball uh, great and uh, the first black player to win 20 games in the American League. Uh, Mudcat Grant, Jim Grant, uh, was a member of the 1965 Twins that went to the World Series. Um, he was uh, amazing that year. He was he started his career with Cleveland uh, then got traded to the Twins in 1964. And in 65, when they went to the World Series, he was 21-7 and with a 3-3-0 ERA. Uh, threw 270 innings that year, by the way, in 39 starts. 14 complete games and, and an American League leading six shutouts. Um, now, they lost the World Series to the Dodgers in 65 in seven games, but Mudcat Grant started three of those games and won two of them. Uh, both of them complete games. Uh, pitched to a 2.74 ERA in the uh, in the World Series, but he passed away uh, on Saturday uh, at the age of uh, 85. So uh, a groundbreaker uh, in Major League Baseball uh, passes away this past weekend. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Thomas Rhett, uh, his new one. It's called Country Again. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.